and welcome to Making Space for Place, a podcast focused on place-based learning and education. My name is Vicki Harrington, and I'm currently teaching in a special education classroom for grades four through six in a rural school district. I am so excited to get this podcast started with our very first episode. In our episode today, we will be attempting to understand a bit more about place-based literacy and the experiences of educators with incorporating that into their practice. I have here with me four lovely people who are going to help us do just that. I'm first going to throw my baton over to Jabrell Bowens, who is going to tell you about our current understanding of place-based learning. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Place-based learning is a way to educate our students using our understanding of the place our students live in. In this, we can educate our students and community with the goal to ensure student success and gain understanding of the world around them. Thanks, Jabrell. While our understanding of this idea isn't fully formed, we are so excited to bring you some of the things we have been learning through a survey that was completed anonymously by teachers. Ella Hotchkiss is going to give us a rundown of some of the findings from this survey. Hey everyone, my name is Ella Hotchkiss and I teach middle school ENL in a rural district. Jumping into our survey results, about 75% of our respondents have never heard of place-based literacy or education. In terms of community school relationships, 100% of respondents rated these connections as very important or extremely important. Interestingly, when asked for their community's view on these relationships, there was a marked difference between rural and urban respondents. 64.3% of rural educators listed these relationships as very important or extremely important to their communities, while none of the urban educators responded with either of those highest rankings. Additionally, 80% of respondents indicated they would either maybe or definitely attend professional development on place-based literacy if it was offered. Hopefully, we can use this information when looking to create resources for diverse educators. Back to you, Vicki. Thanks so much, Ella. Here to talk with us a little more in depth about their experiences and thoughts on the topic, I have with me Kelly Reese and Brenda Wren, two teachers who have been practicing for more than 40 years combined. Brenda, as you were looking through and listening to the results of the survey, what was something that surprised you or didn't surprise you? Well, I think what surprised me most is how few people had heard of it, really. And um, I even had to rethink, do I know what this is? And then I realized that I did. I, I wasn't completely sure. And then when I saw what it meant, I was like, oh, I know what that is. So that really surprised me. It also surprised me hearing what Ella said just a moment ago about the difference in um, rural versus urban as far as like, you know, what was important uh, with developing those uh, relationships with community. That, that really strikes me and it makes me immediately wonder why that is. Yeah, that's awesome. I completely agree with both of those things. Um, Kelly, why do you think that people are so uninformed about the idea of place-based learning? I think it depends on who you ask, but the people that are uninformed, probably because for me, it was the name of it. You know, I we know it, but I don't think we call it that. Um, our district does a lot of community schools, but as far as that with literacy, I don't think we do. Um, but I think because, you know, they haven't, it really hasn't affected them maybe, you know, where they either automatically do some of it and they don't know, realize it, or they are, their community or their environment isn't 
I'm trying to think of the politically correct words where they don't have to think about it <clears throat> as much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking that I think one of the reasons why people appear to be so uninformed is partly because of a lack of follow through. So, for example, in SOTUS a couple of years ago, actually it was probably more than a couple of years ago, we were looking at incorporating an outdoor classroom. We had funding the whole thing. And there's definitely a relationship between, you know, um, place-based learning and the outdoor classroom. So we never followed through on that work. So we had started it, we worked with an architect in the city, and then just like many initiatives, it just kind of stalled. And so I think that's part of the reason. And I think there's just a lack of understanding about what it is and a lack of professional development um, in the midst of all of the things we're trying to get our kids prepared for with state testing and all of those things. Yeah, those are really awesome points. Um, Brenda, in your opinion, do you think that context has an effect on people's knowledge or willingness to interact with place-based learning? You know, I do somewhat, and, and it kind of goes back to what I said a moment ago. I really do think that shift in emphasis to achievement and rigor, we lose sight of, you know, the research that supports that achievement and rigor are met by place-based learning. And, you know, as I was learning a little bit more about it, I was thinking, it's hard if you're the person who kind of oversees all of the instructional practices in the school to see where this fits. And when you're teaching staff in a rural community like the one that I teach in, you know, we have limited resources, limited staff, you know, for the needs of our kids. So when you look at the number of students that we have, you'd think, okay, you know, we're staffed appropriately. And for the most part, we likely are. It's just that the needs of our students are so great. And to try to ask our staff to learn about one more thing and, and not see it as a new curriculum. That was one of the things that I had read is that it's not really a new curriculum. It's a way of fitting it into your already existing practices. Um, and then the other thing I thought as far as context is we're not always even aware, I don't think, of the things we do. We have a 21st century um, grant, learning grant that we have after school. We have students who participate in that. We have students who attend various things within our community. Um, however, you're missing a whole population of students. That's only a certain, uh, certain population of our students who attend that. And the other thing I was thinking about, even though I know field trips in and of themselves aren't, you know, aren't necessarily place-based, we do provide, especially at fourth grade, um, we go to a one-room schoolhouse in Wallington. It's one of my most favorite field trips to browse probably remembering going when he was a fourth grader at SOTUS. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we went to the Lions, um, the Wayne County Museum in Lions, New York. And we did those things with our students. And really, I think that that's a foundation of place-based learning that we weren't even aware we were doing. Um, but it's kind of a hit or miss thing. It's not something that's consistent. I mean, I, I want to say going off, I think our school, the school I'm currently in is almost on the other end, our school district is so large um, and we're understaffed that, you know, our classroom teachers have so many, um, not just the needs are different. And it's just, you know, trying to teach a classroom of, you know, 29 first graders without a TA. I mean, how do you just running your day? You know, it's just different obstacles that you have to overcome. And you, you know, our plates are already so full. I'm not saying it's not important enough to put on there, 
but some days it's like, okay, did I keep all of the kids alive today? Yes, I did. So that's good. <laughs> like, it just can be a lot. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, Kelly, could you um, touch on, um, based on the different contexts that you have taught in, I know that you have been in a, a couple different ones. How do you best relate to your students and the community that you're teaching in? When I thought about this question, you know, I've been in each setting and for me, my first school setting was very small. It's about 40 minutes away. It was, it reminded me a lot of film work when I student taught there and I loved it, but I didn't live there and I didn't connect very much to the kids. And they would talk about all these experiences they had. I mean, they were, a lot of the kids were farmers or they would have already been up milking the cows before they came into class. And I could not relate to that. You know, I was, you know, getting up early to drive to school. But, and then when I was in the large city, it was just so vast, their experiences, you know, even though it was the same school and the small com like community schools, each elementary had, what they experienced at home were so different. And then the current one that I'm in now is where I live. Like I teach where I live and I find, and it probably was because I didn't take as much time to get to know their experiences in their place-based things in the community, but be teaching where I live, my connections with my students are so much greater than what I had in my other schools. I tried, you know, I even said, you know, well, where we live, and I'm like, well, I don't, and they, you know, I didn't make those connections, you know, I didn't know who to reach out to when I taught a unit on you know, even farming or something that they had and all of their writing pieces are about their community. And I, you know, some of the vocabulary words, they were second graders teaching me what this farm equipment was, you know, which was great for them to step in that realm. But, you know, but living where I teach now, because I have those connections, I just find that it's so much more in depth, our questioning and our higher order thinking and just the students feel that sense of, oh, Mrs. Reese knows what what we're going through. She, she lives with us. She, you know, she gets it. So, and I know who to reach out to and to pull through for like, we did a literacy night and we did this whole big, um, it was on the cricket in Times Square. I mean, we had, I knew who to call for the band to come in and play. And I knew who to call. I could call the coffee store to do the coffee shop at the corner, like just pulling in all of the community and stuff. It was just, it's just, so many more connections when I understand the community more. Yes, I I really have only been in one district my entire career and it, it did happen to be the district I grew up in and it is the district I live in. However, I don't necessarily think that's what makes my connection with my students or even our staff. I mean, that definitely adds to it for sure because just like Kelly, I have connections to people that other people wouldn't. But the way that I've always connected with my students is I learn about them as people. I find out their interests. I find out their strengths. I build up that classroom community, which I'm sure every teacher does. And I really invest a lot of time at the beginning of the year on that. That's just so critical and important to me. Um, and it's important with my new teachers because I don't teach in a classroom now. I teach with, um, I actually teach teachers and it's if my new teachers and my students don't trust me, they're just not going to make the growth academically or emotionally or socially. So I think about the things I used to do when I was a, a new teacher, just completely 
brand new. I used to drive to my students' homes and I would meet with their parents there for conferences. And that helped build community because my kids knew I loved them. They, their parents knew, boy, this woman is crazy. And she'll even come to my house and, and meet with me. Um, I went to all their concerts. I went to, I organized talent show. I assistant directed the musical. And I would do that, you know, no matter where I think I ended up teaching. And all of those things make to a visible presence. I, I went to my kids' sporting events, my students. I don't mean my own children. I mean my, my actual students. I made sure I don't love um, shopping all the time right here because you're so recognizable, you know. But I make sure I shop at the local grocery store just so that I can bump into people and see people um, so they know, you know, I'm here and I support you and, um, and love this community, whether... Um, whether I always am in the mood to hang out and chit chat, you know, is a whole nother story. But I, I absolutely think that's important to do that. And I order from our local businesses for food and all of those things to try to keep SOTUS a thriving um, place. And what I found over all these years, and I'm, I'm a dinosaur, I've been teaching a really long time, is it just builds trust and it builds credibility and all of those things that you need for um, people to make growth for themselves. So um, I guess that's how I best reach out to students and, and in whatever capacity that might be, whether it's students that I have that are adults or students I work with that are, that are students. And I, I just like to have fun. I find teaching to be the most uh, fun position, even though it's extremely hard and challenging. Epstein and colleagues discuss the importance of strong school-family-community partnerships. This connects well to what both our guests shared about the value of community partnerships and how those partnerships can enhance the learning experience for students. We would add that these partnerships are key to implementing place-based literacy practices across contexts. The results of this survey have shown us a little bit about how teachers are currently seeing place-based learning. And I think our guests have also offered some really, really awesome tips on relating to students in the community you're in. Um, we hope that you take these ideas and tips into consideration and put them to use in your own practice. Well, thank you so much to both of our guests. We appreciate your input and the knowledge you bring to the educational community. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. Please join us for our next episode where we will be talking more about incorporating place across disciplines.